Prop 10 is the rent control initiative that will allow local communities to take immediate action to keep families in their homes and avoid displacement, and it will stabilize communities. Unfortunately, Proposition 10 does nothing to target our need. In fact, it doesn't even target people in need. Welcome back to Upvote California, a podcast for California voters. This is our first episode in our 2018 ballot proposition series where we cover each issue on the ballot and bring on experts to talk about both sides. I'm your host, Brian Atwood. On this podcast, we're going to be talking about Proposition 10, the Local Rent Control Initiative. Prop 10 would change a state law in order to allow local cities and communities to set more restrictive rent control policies. Supporters would say vote yes on Prop 10 so that cities could add more rent control on single-family homes and condos in order to cap housing costs and prevent more displacement and homelessness. Opponents would say vote no, since more rent control will lead to less new housing being built and might make housing supply even worse since some homeowners will pull their units from the market. We're happy to be back talking about propositions. There are 11 statewide propositions this year that have to do with gas taxes, daylight savings time, bonds for children's hospitals, and water conservation. But as many of you know, housing is a huge issue in California, and four of the propositions this year have to do with housing. We wanted to launch our 2018 series with Prop 10 since it affects everyone, from renters to landlords to homeowners. The massive job and population boom over the past few decades in California has not been matched by enough new housing construction. California is currently 49th in the nation in the ratio of housing units to residents. Today, two-thirds of Californians can no longer afford a median-sized home, and 20% of residents are in poverty, many in part due to housing costs. In San Francisco, for example, the average home sells for $1.3 million, and the average rent for a two-bedroom apartment is over $4,000. So you might be thinking, does Prop 10 add more rent control? I thought it was repealing Costa-Hawkins, so does that mean less rent control? Right now in California, many cities have some form of rent control. That means there's a limit on how much rent can be increased every year. Apartments might be limited to a few percentage points a year, even if the rent is well below what the market rate is. However, there is a state law called Costa-Hawkins that places limits on what cities can do with rent control. Cities can't put single-family homes, condos, and newly constructed apartments under rent control. The law also says that landlords must be allowed to raise rents to market rates when tenants move out. Prop 10 would repeal this statewide law and let cities add in more rent control. Many cities are already preparing for more rent control if Prop 10 passes. For example, Berkeley is putting a local ballot measure that's going to cap rental increases even when tenants move out. Let's take a quick look at who is funding both sides of Prop 10. The Yes on Prop 10 side has raised about $12.5 million to date, with 99% of the funds coming from the AIDS Healthcare Foundation, which over the last few years has funded several state and local ballot measures having to do with housing and drug costs. The No on Prop 10 side has raised over $24 million to date, with about two-thirds of the funds coming from the California Apartment Association and other large portions coming from a coalition of builders, rental groups, chambers of commerce, and taxpayers associations. This is a deep and complicated issue. It's hard to get into in a short podcast, so I'm going to go ahead and bring on our experts who can go into more details about why you should support or oppose Prop 10. We are fortunate to have Christina Livingston with us today to talk about the supporting arguments for Proposition 10, the Local Rent Control Initiative. 
Christina is the executive director of the Alliance of Californians for Community Empowerment, or ACE Action. ACE is a 13,000-member statewide community organization working on local issues like housing. She's one of the authors and primary proponents of Prop 10, so we are grateful to have her opinions on this issue. Thank you for joining Upvote California, Christina. Thank you for having me. So California is in a housing crisis that's been going on since the 70s and 80s, and it's getting a lot worse in the past few years. Uh, the statistics are pretty shocking. I was reviewing them for this podcast, uh, and it, it's obvious it's impacting everyone. So Prop 10 is one of uh, several initiatives this year on the ballot to address housing, but might be a little confusing to some voters. So can you start by explaining Proposition 10 and why you think it's important for Californians to vote yes? Sure. Um, actually, let me start with the why of it, and then I'll talk about the what of it. Um, as you mentioned, you know, the housing crisis here in California is pretty severe at this point. Um, California is the fifth largest economy in the world, but when we account for housing costs, uh, we've got the highest poverty rate in the union. Um, so what does that mean? Actually, according to the California Budget and Policy Center, whether you are a renter in California or a homeowner, actually more than two out of every five households in California are paying more than 30% of their income on housing. Uh, one out of every five are paying more than 50% of their income on housing. That's whether you are a renter or a homeowner. For renters specifically, actually we know that a third of all California renters are paying more than half of their income on housing. So the result of that is that you know some homeowners are forced out of their homes and they are forced into tenancy. Many tenants are having to choose paying rent over essential needs like buying food or paying for medications or paying for childcare, right? Um, tenants from our urban centers are being pushed out to suburban communities, which increases the cost of living in many of those communities. Um, those who are displaced are still, many of them are continuing to commute back to the places where they used to live, either for work or for church or for family engagements. So we've seen, you know, a severe increase of traffic congestion. Um, and studies have shown that like one of the many negative impacts of displacement includes sometimes severe mental and physical health impacts, uh, not just on the tenants who have been displaced, but their children, their ability to learn in schools. Um, also, it's important to note that for uh, black communities in particular, the rates of displacement are higher than any other communities. The city of Oakland alone has lost 30% of its black population since 2000. Even worse than just being displaced, many families are being forced into homelessness. The homelessness population of seniors in the city of Los Angeles has increased 20% since last year. So we are seeing communities that are being destabilized, people's lives are being uprooted, and the time to act to deal with that problem is now. And the only policy solution that can provide immediate relief is rent control, which brings me to why we decided to put Prop 10 on the ballot. So Proposition 10 does a few things. Proposition 10 will return power to local communities to expand rent control in the way that works best for them and give them an immediate tool to tackle the state's housing displacement crisis. Um, primarily, Prop 10 overturns a 1995 uh, law called the Costa-Hawkins Act, which prohibits cities from expanding rent control on buildings that were built after 1995 uh, or 
for cities that passed rent control before 1995, um, they, they can't apply rent control after the year in which their law was passed. So for San Francisco, that's 1979, and Los Angeles, that's 1978. Uh, and the other thing that Costa-Hawkins does is that it prohibits rent control on single-family homes and condos and prohibits vacancy control, which uh, dampen landlords' ability to increase rents exponentially between tenants. Um, so essentially, we are by putting Prop 10 on the ballot, we are wanting to return power to local communities to use the tool of rent control if they choose to and in the way that works best for their communities. I'm, I'm glad you started off with statistics because they're, they're just really eye-opening when you look at them. Um, you know, you mentioned um, that, that 25% of people are paying over 50% of their income on housing. And I, I think I saw on a website, if you actually look at low-income housing, it's way worse. It's something like 50% of, of low-income population is spending more than 50% of their income on housing. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if, if you if you look at people most affected, it's, it's way worse. I, I want to talk about some of the arguments from those that are opposing Prop 10. Um, opponents say... Passing Prop 10 will result in fewer new homes and apartments being built since rent control laws would restrict future income for landlords. For example, uh, from 2012 to 2017, San Francisco added 400,000 new jobs, but only permits for 60,000 new housing units. The argument is that builders won't build new housing since they can't make enough profit on new units. So can you talk about that position and how will new housing supply be affected? How can we think about the trade-offs between rent control and housing supply? Sure. Um, first, just for clarity, let me say again that passing Prop 10 doesn't actually mandate any community to pass rent control. It gives them the full range of tools to decide what kind of rent control works best for them. Um, but that said, I mean, there are a few things to know. Number one, the California Constitution guarantees landlords a uh, right to make a profit. Prop 10 does not overturn that. Right? Our, our initiative would simply allow communities to set reasonable limits on rent increases. It would not prohibit landlords from making a profit or passing on even the repair costs to their tenants. So the question about you know, whether folks who are landlords could continue to make a profit is actually not uh, something that folks should worry about. But um, as for construction, it's, it's important to note that in the history of rent control laws, rent control has never been implemented on new construction. Communities recognize that developers need to recoup their construction costs and make a profit, and they've put forth laws that protect renters while also ensuring developments pencil out financially. And actually, interestingly enough, uh, cities where rent control exists right now have built the most housing. Um, the three largest Bay Area cities with rent control, San Francisco, San Jose, and Oakland, they have only 27% of the housing stock in the state, but according to the U.S. Census Bureau, since the year 2000, they've built 43% of new multifamily uh, rental units with, um, with uh, five or more units. Similarly, in the city of Los Angeles, with 42% of housing in Los Angeles County, it has built 62% of new multifamily rentals since 2000. So in those cities that have rent control, we've not seen actually that construction has been reduced. We've seen it outpacing other communities. Um, but what's important to note here is that uh, a Federal Reserve report from earlier this year found that adding new housing does not necessarily reduce housing costs for the rest of us. The report showed that if cities add 5% or more to their most expensive neighborhoods, the rents in those areas would drop only a half a percentage point. Hmm. 
Mm. So the notion being thrown out that we can build our way out of the housing affordability crisis is just wrong. Um, Building in the short term does virtually nothing to reduce housing costs. It will take decades to build the amount of housing that we need. Meanwhile, communities will continue to see mass displacement and homelessness will continue to skyrocket for our most vulnerable populations like our seniors, people with disabilities, single-parent households, young folks, low-income wage earners. You know, the only real solution here is for us to figure out how to uh, cap the amount of rent that people are paying while we figure out how to deal with the housing shortage in the state. Mm -hmm. I I had another question in that that vein about um, other tools um, in addition to rent control or as opposed to rent control, like um, subsidies for low-income renters and government funding for affordable housing. So what what is your thoughts on the position of rent control and, and Prop 10 in relation to sort of other techniques we have to lower housing costs? Right. I mean, you know, we encourage multiple methods to tackle this housing crisis. The crisis is broad. The crisis is deep. It's longstanding. But again, rent control is an immediate solution to keep people in their homes now and keep them in their communities while we work to solve the uh, larger housing supply shortage problem altogether. Um, The state now needs, uh, I think it's 180,000 new housing units per year to meet demand according to housing officials, Mm -hmm. and it's building less than 80,000 units annually on average. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the most recent statewide housing assessment was that California needs 1.8 million additional homes by 2025 to maintain pace. So we should certainly, you know, put forward all of the other potential methods that are out there. But in the meantime, if we want communities that are whole enough that all of us can benefit from these other uh, solutions, then we've got to keep people in these communities now, today. And and rent control is just the quickest, best, only real way to do that. Okay. Um, well, I think that's a great overview. Um, voters have a, a lot of things to keep on their minds when they go vote. There's 11 statewide propositions, and there's always a handful of local initiatives. Um, if there's one thing that a voter can remember about Prop 10 when they go vote, what would that be? Uh, just that Prop 10 is the rent control initiative that will allow local communities to take immediate action to keep families in their homes and avoid displacement, and it will stabilize communities. This is not just an initiative that helps tenants, it helps entire communities, homeowners and tenants alike, and that's the kind of California that I, you know, as I'm talking to folks in the community, that I am hearing people want, a California that is protective of its folks, it's in, it's inclusive, um, and this is really the way that we get there. Awesome. Thanks for your thoughts. And uh, we really appreciate you joining the podcast today. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. We're now going to take a look at the opposing arguments for Proposition 10. We're happy to have Deborah Carlton on Upvote California to talk about the opposing side of Proposition 10. Deborah is the Senior Vice President of Public Affairs at the California Apartment Association, the nation's largest statewide organization representing the rental housing industry. The CAA is the primary sponsor for Californians for Responsible Housing, one of the main committees opposing Prop 10. Deborah has extensive experience with the CAA, and we're fortunate to have her expert opinions on this issue. Thanks for joining Upvote California, Deborah. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for having me. Uh, Can you start by explaining Prop 10 briefly and why you think it's important for Californians to vote no? Sure. Well, Proposition 10 uh, throws out a state rent control law. We call it Costa Hawkins. It replaces it 
quite frankly, with nothing. So the state law has provided uh, specific guidelines for cities uh, that choose to adopt rent control. Uh, we know that the legislature was concerned about the negative ramifications of the strict forms of rent control that we had in the 70s, 80s, and first part of the 90s. So they said to cities, we, those strict forms of rent control are not working. Um, they said you can still have rent control, but you have to set caps, um, and they cannot be imposed on single-family homes, uh, individually owned condominiums, and new construction. Um, and so the state law has provided uh, – that when tenants move out, the owner can bring the market, uh, bring the units to the market. Um, so Proposition 10 will throw out all of those guidelines mm -hmm. and allow a city to do whatever they want and return, we know, because they've already announced it, to the more strict forms of rent control that we saw in the 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. I think everyone knows that housing prices have gone up dramatically in California. The solution might be to build more affordable housing, but California can't seem to build fast enough. We're now 49th in the country in terms of number of housing units to residents. So supporters of Prop 10 say we need rent control to protect renters in the face of these rising prices while we wait on new housing. But why do you think Californians should oppose Prop 10 that would give us more rent control options to help with the housing cost? Well, you're right. We are in one of the worst, I think, housing crises that we've been in. Um, unfortunately, Proposition 10 does nothing to target our need. In fact, uh, it doesn't even target people in need. Um, you know, prior to the, the state rent control law, cities have imposed these strict forms of rent control on single-family homes and new construction. And because they had done that, and uh, we saw that construction had declined and that small owners had gotten out of the business, they converted their homes to owner-occupied housing instead of rentals. Um, we saw that cities had gentrified as a result of these strict forms of rent control. And unfortunately, Proposition 10 is going to take us backwards. Um, it will return us, we believe, to those old failed forms of rent control so the state's independent legislative analyst has already expressed concerns, as well as uh, UC Berkeley and Stanford University through recent studies. Um, the legislative analyst said that Prop 10 will lead to significant decline in state and local revenues, which means we're going to have cutbacks, we believe, in programs that would uh, go towards helping veterans and others. So mm -hmm. if, we you know, if we pass Proposition 10, we think it's going to make our housing situation worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, can you talk a little bit more about um, other effects on the economy? Um, for example, um, you mentioned government revenues. So what kind of effects do you think rent control is going to have on, on government revenues and, and maybe just the economy in general? I've seen some sure. statistics about um, the, the high cost of housing is causing some, some impact on the California economy, anywhere from $150 to $400 billion per year because people are spending more of their income on housing versus, you know, the rest of the economy. So can you kind of talk about some other effects? Yeah, and, and that's unfortunate because there's just not enough supply. And I think we truly believe that local officials know uh, the immense pressure they're going to be placed under to pass these strict forms of rent control. And I think they even know um, that this is not going to be good for their local cities or counties. Uh, you know, it's going to turn every, turn every rent increase and every uh, request for repairs to the building into a political battle, which takes up their time and it costs cities a lot of money. 
um, because, you know, under strict forms of rent control, the owner has to ask permission uh, to get reimbursed for those repairs uh, through rent increases. Mm-hmm. So you have these rent boards and bureaucrats that have to make decisions about how much an owner can charge. So there's really no incentive for people uh, to stay in business. So you're going to lose revenue that way. Um, you know, it's likely that most cities are just going to be having to put up a new no vacancy sign. Um, employers will not be able to find uh, vacant units for their employees because there will be no new construction and people who live in those rent control units just don't leave. If you're getting cheap rent, you know, why leave? Most of them will stay there until the owner's dying day. Uh, college students won't be able to find a place to live near their universities. Um, you know, before uh, Berkeley's strict rent control law was outlawed, uh, that city lost over 3,000 single-family rental homes that were converted back into owner-occupied housing. Mm-hmm. And then I think the most recent and extreme example is Mountain View, which just passed rent control, has already lost 350 uh, rental units because they've either gone out of business or they're converting those to condominiums or they're just tearing them down. It's really not worth it because Proposition 10 does not build one new housing unit, and we know that that's what's needed. It's probably going to discourage new housing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the best example is we heard that expressed at a recent League of California Cities meeting. They uh, did not agree to support Proposition 10, and we think it's because of all of the reasons I just stated that they're uh, not going to support Proposition 10. Mm-hmm. Um, on that note, I think a lot of people are, are frustrated that you know housing prices are going up and, and you say new housing is needed, but a lot of people don't see a lot of progress and and maybe they would see prop 10 as like okay this isn't perfect but at least mm-hmm. it's something so can you talk about maybe you you would say okay don't vote on prop 10 but what are the things do you think are being done or should be done to help with these housing costs yeah the solutions um and that's a good question because i think the only way to keep housing prices reasonable that's for sale and rental housing is to balance the jobs to housing in your local market. So one of, I think, important answer is Proposition 1 that voters will be asked to vote on. We think that's the real solution. It's going to provide uh, $4 billion to help build new housing, uh, and it's targeted. So it's targeted to uh, veterans, it's targeted to farm worker housing, and uh, multifamily housing for people that are low income. Um, It would also provide money for local governments and developers to build residential projects near transit stations and high-density infill. We think that moves the needle in the right direction. Um, You know, we've also sponsored uh, legislation that tells cities, you need to agree to balance your housing and uh, your jobs. And if they don't do that, uh, we've created a law that will penalize them uh, if they reject housing that's already, you know, zoned. Um, and the, I think the third thing we did that I think was very beneficial, we're already seeing the uh, the positive outcome is we passed a law that says you, cities, you need to make it easier for property owners to build second units, or we sometimes call them granny units, mm-hmm. um, on their property. Um, the number of permits we've seen for those units um, has increased 63% over the last two years. So uh, even the studies that I mentioned earlier cite those as really positive ways to quickly address our our challenges that we have in California. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks for all those examples, uh, especially pointing to Prop 1. Uh, that's really interesting. 
Um, so I'd like to wrap up and, you know, voters have a, a, a ton on their minds when they go to vote. Mm-hmm. There's 11 statewide propositions this year. So if there's one thing that you want a voter to remember when they go into the polling booth, what would that be? One thing, I'll, I'll try to make it one, but it'll probably be a long run on sentence. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but, okay. You know, Proposition 10 overall will make our housing situation worse. It, it will make our housing uh, homeless population worse because there will be no vacancies due to the lack of new housing and uh, no services. So if you're a renter in a single family home or a small building, you can very well lose your housing because owners are going to get out of the business. We've already seen it. And it provides uh, no new housing for our next generation of kids and new workers. And, you know, if you own a, uh, in a rent-controlled city, uh, your home price is going to decline. So the, le- the state's legislative analysts has already report- reported that rent control is going to cost cities millions of dollars per year. So that long run-on sentence is the reason to vote no on Proposition 10. Okay, that was very helpful. Um, thanks so much for being on the podcast today, Deborah. Well, thanks for having me, Brian. That wraps up our episode on Proposition 10. We thank you for listening. If you want to learn more about the issue, check out housingnowca.org or voteyesonprop10.org for supporting arguments. For opposing arguments, take a look at noprop10.org or at noprop10 on Twitter. If you want to stay in touch with us, visit our website, upvotecalifornia.com, or follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Upvote Podcast. And please subscribe to us on iTunes or anywhere you normally listen to podcasts. Thanks again for listening. See you at the polls.